All right. Good to be with you guys this morning. You know, before I get into this stuff uh, here, I was just reminded, you know, when uh, they talked about Pawn and her accident, uh, you know, compound fracture of her femur and her hips and her tibias and everything else. Unbelievable. Uh, So just amazing what God can carry people through. Uh, And then we also, I won't point anywhere, but they're a family here that we have been praying for week after week. Um, I don't know y'all's last name, but Doug's family here that uh, he broke his hips and I don't know femur, I don't know what all, but way worse than I did. And he's here with us today with his family. So it's really cool to, you know, uh, be with you guys. And Scott, where's one other thing? Scott uh, has no neck brace on today. So um, yeah, a lot of, uh, and those are just the tip of the iceberg, I'm sure, injuries uh, that are uh, represented in our body, uh, both uh, physical and spiritual. So it's good to be together with all of you, uh, just to have some time to look at the Word. We're coming to the end of our series on Ephesians. So if you want to open up or turn whatever you're looking at to that book, we're in uh, right at the end of chapter 4, beginning of chapter 5. This is, uh, you know, these chapters where Paul turns to a bunch of imperatives about how we should live the Christian life, what it looks like. He's told us why and what's behind it all, but then he tells us, uh, this, he, he begins this list, and, he, and you know, Paul has this way of saying, do this, do, that's very, very imperative. Uh, like, these are the things that, this is what it looks like in the real world to follow Christ. And so, uh, somewhere in chapter 4 and through a lot of chapter 5, it's just a lot of that. Do, this is what it looks like, this is what it looks like. This, and then it's spiced up with little sections of, and, and this is why, also, don't forget, this is how you do this. In, in this particular case today, we're going to be in... Uh, Four, right at the end of four, uh, verse, chapter 4, verse 29 through 5-2. And he's basically going to start on the ec- external side of things, what it looks like, and he's going to drill down, way down deep inside of us. So you'll kind of see that progression as this unfolds. But one of the things that you'll see in, in almost everything he says in four, chapter 4 and 5 uh, about our relationship with God is that it is integrally involved in our relationship with other people. If you have a relationship with God, and certainly all of us have a relationship with other people, there, the structure, the framework, uh, the reference for everything that happens in our relationships, then as a Christian, if you're following Christ, begins to come from that. He becomes the source and the backbone, the, the structure for relationship. So y- your relationship with God, if you're following a follower of Jesus, is something that is played out in your relationships across the board. And so when you're looking at these imperatives that Paul gives us through these chapters, almost all of them have to do with relationship with other people. So just to say that up front, I want to make that really clear. And let's let's read the passage before I tell you what I want to uh, share with you as the main point. So 429 through 52. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. And let me stop there and just say, That I'm great at this. No, not that. Um, Paul's writing to these believers in the first century church because they need to hear this. Not because everything was perfect in the first century church. There are problems there. There are problems in the church today. So, 
Knowing all that, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, as that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, but let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. All right. The main thing that I want us to pull out, there is a lot in this passage, but the main thing that I want to pull out and hopefully you will hear is something that Paul says early on. He says, he says, give away grace. There's this little kind of a defining action word in there that, that I think everything else flows out of from this passage. And that is that as believers, if you are one, then your role is to give away grace. And for those of you who've been in the church for a while, you've heard messages on grace and, and that kind of thing. You know that grace is something freely given that's undeserved. So it seems kind of redundant to say, give away grace. However, apparently grace can be hoarded and kept to ourself. So it really makes sense to say, give away grace. Apparently we can somehow keep it. And one of the most, the easiest ways, and we're going to talk about this here, is that we give it away with our words. So uh, three things in this idea of giving away grace that's through this passage. One is, is what does grace sound like? What's the voice of grace? Two is the spirit of grace. What's behind it? What's, what's it made up of? This thing that's going to come out that we're going to give away. And then thirdly is what is the source of it? Or how, how does it actually come out? What's, where does it come from? So the sound, the spirit, and the source of it is where we're going today. So Paul says in 429, he says that it sounds like words that build up. This is what grace sounds like. So read 29 with me. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only that that is good for building up fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who, to all the, or to those who hear. These are words that build up. It, it's good for the moment. It builds up those that hear it. And, you know, there's a, you know, we often say actions speak louder than words. That's true. Actions often back up the words that we say, and we can betray what we mean, uh, what we say out loud by our actions later on. However, if you think about it, our words are the first thing that people typically engage with us in. They hear our words. That's the easiest place to communicate, right? Words. So it is the easiest place to give grace away. Paul is saying you can give grace through your words. And I, and I think sometimes giving away grace in the words that we speak is harder than in our actions. And think about that for a second. Actually, truly have graceful words. And, and we'll look at what that might look like. Uh, I have this small group that I've been a part of now, my family, Claire and I, for, uh, since, the, since we did the marriage series back in February. And 
when we go to different houses and we, we meet in houses, we've, we've been actually meeting all along. Some of the people in our, or most of the people, I'm probably the least uh, capable in this area, have the gift of hospitality. Like we go over there and the food is awesome and the house is warm and it's like over the top. And I don't want to call out any names, but Steve Ryan, um, (laughs) whom some of you know, that guy's a crusty guy. He'll he'll admit he's a crusty guy, but man, he has the gift of hospitality. And he just, he's cooking, he's got all of this stuff and Jennifer's done all this work and we brought stuff, but the hospitality is just beautiful. And the more I thought about the words this idea of giving grace through our words, the more I thought that uh, an analogy that I would walk, I, I don't want to push too far, but is, is, it's almost like the taste of something that we give to someone in terms of food. If, if you think about what it means when you receive the hospitality and a really incredible meal from someone, what that feels like, that's a really special thing. It's done with thought, it means something to us. It, sti- it lingers with us. It sticks with us. I'm talking about it in front of all of you, right? As, as much as the food that someone gives us like that can be really nourishing and encouraging and special and meaningful, memorable, it can be positive and it can be negative. Because if you ever had something that wasn't good, You've, had, you've gone away from a meal and you're sick, right? And that night you wake up and you remember there's one thing that I ate that I don't want to eat for three or four years because it sticks with us. And words, I mean, for me, this, uh, just this little th- one or a few, wor- a few words that can be spoken to me can stick with me a lot longer than a whole bunch of other really good words served to me. Anybody like that? I don't know why that is. We can just fixate on just this, that little thing that got said. I think it's kind of funny. I, I don't want to pick on Claire, but man, she can remember everything I've ever said. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I don't think you're the only one, Claire. So, so I, I just want to throw that out to you as, as you're thinking about this, maybe in terms of, the, of, of food and, and how important that is. There, there might be a way to think about this in terms of giving it away, giving the, the grace away, giving it through our words that, that can tie in with you and your mind and, and, and mine in this too. But he says, don't let any corrupting word come from your mouth. And that's a pretty, it doesn't say don't tell the truth. Sometimes the truth is hard to hear, but the truth is, in fact, earlier in, this pa- in, in chapter 4, Paul says, tell the truth in love. He's not, saying don't avoid, he's not saying avoid telling the truth. He's just saying don't, corrupting words do things like they undermine our confidence. They beat us down. They're things that are encompassed in rumors and things like that. My mom... Uh, had this thing that I, I like to call phone voice. Some of you may experience this. She can be yelling. Now, this is back in the day, okay? So for some of you may remember this. This is bef- The answering machine was actually a notepad with a pencil. And so, she, so you had to answer your phone. So she, she would be yelling at me 
just, ah, you know, carrying on about whatever it was and sending me to my room and stuff. And then I'd, and I hear the phone ring and I hear her go, hello? <laughs> Man, that would just, you know, that would send you, um, I'm sure, you know, you probably, some of you experienced that. Um, so he, he says, uh, he says, no corrupting word. It, the, there, there are things that can be said in truth by your mom or somebody who means something to you in a certain way that we can really hear by people that care about us and love us. But there is something about what's behind and within those words and how they're said and what's going on in the big picture with the person who's communicating with us that, that has an impact on us as well. And we shouldn't sugarcoat uh, the, uh, the truth that we sometimes need to say to people. But there's a difference between a corrupting word and a word of truth for someone. Clara, I'll just pick on her one more time. She, uh, she said recently to me, she said, sometimes, Scott, and she's trying to be really honest, sometimes the words that you say to us, as in my family, sometimes the words you say to us sound different than they, you sound to other people. It's like, you know... I remember sitting there and she said, I didn't want to hear it, but I kind of knew it was true. And you might have experienced this. You say something to your family or someone that you love. And I've, I've done this and I've had my family like, look at me. Like, like Michael, think of Michael. Like, I'm talking to Claire and I've got this voice that's not appropriate. And it's, it's, it's not um, giving her good things, the grace of the gospel. And, and I see Michael like looking at me. Like, what is, what is going on here? Uh, Part of what is happening, when, and I said earlier that, that this is, Paul gives us this, here's the imperative at the top level. What is shown through your words matters to other people in your relationship with them, and it matters to God. But it also goes deeper it's to something that's within us that gets communicated to other people. And this other layer is the next thing, and that's this, uh, the spirit of where these words come from. The spirit, not the spirit of God. But the spirit within us, this, this, uh, the character that we have, that some of these words come from. And I probably should say right here that I'm not trying to put guilt on anybody in here. I'm not trying to, and I don't think Paul's doing that either. He's encouraging us to move forward in the way that we communicate grace to other people that are around us. Uh, these words that we say are sourced from within. Look at verse uh, 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Let me read that list uh, slowly. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. And I needed to define that word clamor. I wasn't sure what that meant exactly. It it means, uh, get ready for this, it means yelling. Uh, Raising... uh, you know, raising our voices and, and noise like that. Uh, so this is a gross mix of internal motivations that come out on other people when we speak. Sometimes, some of us. I'm not going to point any fingers. Bitterness, wrath, anger, yelling, slander, and malice. Now, when I read this list, what I do is I say, wow, those are pretty intense and pretty extreme. 
I'm only, I only have a little bit of those things. So I kind of excuse myself. I say, well, I got a little bit of anger that comes out, you know, because I didn't just deal with it on my way home, or I've got some bitterness, and I, you know, this is what I, you know, pointed at this person, or, you know, there's a little bit of malice in what I said. I wanted to make sure that they knew that I was right, that kind of thing. (laughs) Just, but it's not like, I don't act totally in malice or totally in bitterness, and I don't think many of, of you do either. But I began to think, you know, here's this list of things I can identify with all of them at some level, and I'm thinking, well, hey, let's say I want to give you, Paul, a, let me, let me see if you want this. I have this old pizza box, and inside it is some food. Some of it's, and you can just uh, picture, you know, uh, anthropomorphize these things, but like here, there's a little bit of bitterness, and there's a little bit of slander and malice. It's rotting and it's disgusting. It's all mixed up. It's loud. You don't, you know, this thing's going to annoy the heck out of you. Would you like this? No, because it's gross. He describes something that, that when you read it and you think about that, that's, in, that's within us, it's, it's kind of gross. It, not even in the full measure of any of them, but all of them mixed together, just a little bit in percentages, is still something somebody else doesn't want. They don't want that. And, it, and that stuff is communicated through our words, but it comes from within us. It's something that's deep, deeper within us. And he says, if you back up a verse in verse 30, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And that, that, that's one of the most powerful parts of the passage because he, the Holy Spirit is the, is the presence of God in our lives. And if we grieve the Holy if you've been through grief, to grieve the Holy Spirit through our words is pretty significant stuff. That's a big deal. He's saying it is a really big deal what you say and whether you give grace to those people that are around you. Because otherwise, if you are not doing that, you could be grieving the Holy Spirit. That's significant. And then in verse 32, he says, this is what the character of the Holy Spirit within you really does look like. This is what you've been remade to have within you. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Now, that tenderness and kindness that's reflective of the, of the gift of forgiveness that we've been given is something that is going to be a lot more desirable if I offer that to Paul than the other stuff, right? This thing that comes from deep within us, kindness and tenderness and forgiveness, those are a lot more precious and a lot more meaningful when they come to us through words than those, that other list of anger, slander, malice, etc. So I was thinking about what Claire had said to me, and I was thinking, so how, how does this happen? How do I not speak differently? How does the voice that I speak with, the grace that I may or may not get, how do I give grace in my life to other people, all other people? Uh, how do I find the change? Where does it come from? And that's the the third point, the source of that grace. Uh, We'll start at the end of of, uh, chapter 4. It says, Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Be imitators of God 
beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So there are a few steps, I think, that he shows us, that those of you who like steps and things, action items, I think these are some really good ones. First, he says, forgive as Jesus forgave you. And so I stood there, literally stood there thinking about this earlier this week, and I thought, I have to remember that I have been forgiven. And when I remember that I have been forgiven, then that, Paul says, will begin to lead me to speak with grace, to give grace, to simply remember that I have been forgiven by Christ. And second, he says, he says, walk in love like Jesus did. And, and another word for that is to live. Walk and live are the same words. In other words, each step carefully placed in love as we walk in life is another way to um, change what's coming from us so that we are able to give away grace in the things that we say. In other words, walk in love, walk behind him. Jesus' footprints are there, if you will, and we're walking behind him in that. And then he says, sacrifice like Jesus sacrificed for you. So there's the forgiveness that he gave through his sacrifice, through, through giving himself up, which Paul drills down at the very end of that, and he says, sacrifice. And I think this is a very, it's probably the key if you were looking for a key. Because when we actually truly sacrifice the things that we want, the things that we are expecting, the things that we think we deserve, then it makes it a whole lot easier to speak with grace. And from us come things like kindness, tenderheartedness, gentleness, and, and uh, forgiveness. But, but Paul says that what we're doing actually is we're identifying with Jesus. He's not just saying, hey, just do this. He's saying, follow Jesus in this. This is what Jesus did for you. Follow him in this. Walk in love like he did. Do these so. There's this idea of imitating is really important. Am, am I imitating Christ in my life down to, all the way down to the hard part of sacrifice so that grace, grace is what comes from me? So do you see how Paul starts on the outside with our words and he says, give grace, and then he drills down a little bit deeper and he says, but grace comes out of, and of, of these characteristics that are within us or it doesn't. But those characteristics within us can arise, come up differently when we're walking like Christ, if we're imitating him because of what he did for us. The result of imitating him, truly imitating him, being like him, is that we would have kindness and tenderness and forgiveness. And we would, give, we would share words with all the people, the totality of the people around us that give grace. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray that that is what would characterize our speech, that we would go much deeper within us and come from a much deeper place. God, I, I want to just ask you uh, with this body and, and these friends that are here, God, to just, just uh, let us look at your son when we're wondering how in the world it is that we're going to uh, see change in our lives. It's through him and because of him 
that things happen where we can't tack on uh, new words and cover up what's really down inside, uh, like a candy shell or something like that, Lord. Instead, Father, we are, uh, you change us from the inside because of what you did for us through Jesus. And let us look deeply at him and remember what he did for us and let that change who we are so that we can give tenderness and grace, forgiveness through our words. In his name, amen. All right, thanks for being here, everybody. We'll see you later. Have a great afternoon in Crested Butte.